All right, put up Ephesians 5.1, please. We're going to start here. And before you start celebrating that we're not, that we didn't start with Romans 12.1, we're going back to that in a minute. Just referring back to it, though. Be ye therefore followers of God. If you bring your Bibles, which I can remember a time when every, every believer brought their Bible to church, you know. Uh, if, you brought, if you brought your Bibles, your translation may, be, may say imitators of God. Does anybody have a translation that says that? Be ye imitators of God. I, I, I make a, there's one right there. Well, that figures because Dr. B gave a sermon one time, very, it was a mini sermon. But he gave a mini-sermon of taters. You know what a tater is? Potater. Potater. That's what they say. Down south they say taters. They don't say potatoes. Potatoes. You say potato. I say tomato. Thank you for laughing at that joke. Most people just think I'm dumber than nails. <laughs> Until I say, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to figure that one out. <laughs> and, uh, my favorite one, though, is if, if, if life gives you curveballs, make lemonade out of it. <laughs> just a few of my, my sense of humor. Hallelujah. We say taters down south. And uh, what kind of tater are you? Are you a potator? A tomater? Or, or you know, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, what's the guy that says Geeter Dunn? What's his name? Geeter Dunn. Larry the Cable Guy. Larry? Larry the Cable Guy. Well, in the, in the, the cartoon, animated cartoon, thing about the race uh, cars cars he, he goes by mater that's his nickname mater and they're down south there well actually they're in vegas mater um, god wants us to be imitators uh, dr bees was are you an imitator or are you a spectator you just Watching other people, you know, wishing you was one or glad you weren't one or the other. God wants imitators. Therefore, followers of God, imitators of God as dear children. And we'll look very quickly at this next verse. And walk in love. Is it up there yet? And walk in love. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Jesus loved you. The other day, uh, I walked into the office and Rodney was there. And I said, Rodney says, God loves you. I said, how much? And we turned around and went like this together. At the same time, it was like, well, great minds think alike. So... Anyway, Jesus loves you. How did he love you? 
loved us and given himself for us an offering score underscore offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor now God wants us to that's it but God wants us to love one another and it tells us how to walk in love to do it by being an offering to God see um People, you love, you come to love people, and you know I know there's people in this room, many, many people, who would die for me. They would push me out of harm if they could to take a car or any other harm. You know, uh, they would lay their life down for me, and I love them, and they love me. But there's also people that maybe not be quite there yet, but God wants us to love them. Love the world, for God so loved the world. And so the key to loving the world, the key to loving your neighbor, the key to loving one another, is not to look for a value in that who you are loving or worthy of love. The key is that God is worthy and that you're being an offering as a sacrifice to God. See, it's not for them. Well, it's for them, but it, God is the first in priority. It's like where Jesus said to uh, Peter in, in John 21, if you love me, Feed my sheep. Um, as a pastor, I can tell you this much. I love you guys, but I don't preach up here because I love you. I preach up here because I love Jesus. <laughs> and uh, that's my motivation. And that'll keep me in the thing. Keep me in the, in the, the work. And we'll be looking more at that letter but later. But which was the walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Remember we talked about how God has fragrances uh, bottled up in heaven. Our prayers. He also has our sacrifice that we make. Now that's what Romans 12, 1 says, Be ye therefore, or excuse me, uh, according to the mercies of God, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you give your body, present your body, an offering. King James says, a sacrifice. Present your body as an offering to God. And here it says, when you present your body as an offering to God, it is a sweet-smelling savor to God, or fragrance, a sweet-smelling fragrance to God. So, we've been talking about Romans 12, 1 for some time now. We're going to move on today, but I just want to tell you this much. By moving on, we're going to talk about a, the second part of presenting your bodies and by the way, that means self. 
presenting yourself as a sacrifice to God, uh, poor sweet smelling savor. That we've talked about one aspect of that, but we're going to talk about the second aspect of that today. And uh, I may talk fast, and I may get moving fast, and I may lose some of you. Um, we have a podcast, though. You can go back and get previous sermons, and by the time you get through, you'll be something like when Mike Huckabee dropped out of the race. He said, if you remember for the presidential race, Mike Huckabee, who is a born-again believer, says that he has to drop out of the race for illness, for an, for an illness. And they said, oh, yeah, what, what illness? He says, the people are sick of me. So, I was at a conference last, not this past Saturday, one before that. I was at a conference, and I heard uh, somebody, uh, his name is uh, James Daytree. Uh, Some of you know him. And he was preaching, and he was talking about how the Word of God should not be you should not get tired of hearing it no matter how frequently you may hear something. That's what John says in First John, a new commandment I speak unto you. No, it's an old commandment from the beginning that you love one another. You see. And uh, Dacre uh, pointed out that at one time uh, Bishop Callahan preached for six months on Luke 62, uh, 5, I believe it is. That doesn't sound right. 62 something. And it, it was uh, actually, it's way later in the chapter than chapter 5, but it's 62. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Six months he preached on that. So I've, I haven't been doing this for six months, so don't. Don't give up on me until then. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. I believe that entails two things. And one of the reasons I believe it entails two things is we've gone back and look at Matthew 21 and 22, those chapter 21 and 22. Uh, I didn't get a chance to preach my uh, uh, Palm Sunday message, which is my favorite message, or one of them. And I didn't get a chance to preach it because uh, Chris Deemer preached on Palm Sunday. And uh, Palm Sunday is about what happens in Matthew 21 and 22. 21, when he comes in, he's come, that's where Jesus comes in, fulfills a prophecy, Zechariah 9, 9, coming into uh, Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. And he goes into the temple. He goes in, he goes in two days. And the first day he goes into the temple. And the first thing he does is he casts the money changers out of the temple. And he declares a verse of scripture. Says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We could preach an entire sermon on that, on that one verse. Not the part about house of prayer. But casting the money changers out of the temple. Because there's so much beauty in that. 
But there's so many things that happen in Matthew 21 and 22 that, um, and if you understand that in the, 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 the scheme of things, the scheme of God is that Jesus is preparing to be a sacrifice. And part of that preparing is he goes into the temple and he's constantly being examined by the priest and the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they're all coming at him trying to find some fault with him. And of course, part of that has to be with him, him, him having to be examined as the Lamb of God, which is going to be sacrificed and to, so that no no uh, uh, defect can be found in him. And so they're coming at him and coming at him and coming at him. And in the process of that, he gives several parables. And one of the most important parables is the parable of the, of the, uh, the vineyard. Because in the vineyard is a guy uh, buys this land, makes this vineyard, gives it out. And one of the questions they ask Jesus is, by what authority do you speak? say these things. And he, he gives them this parable. He, he First he says, you tell me about John the Baptist. What do you think about John the Baptist? He says, if, you know, they wouldn't answer. He says, well, I won't answer you either. Then he answers them. And it's in the parable of the vineyard about the guy who buys the vineyard, makes it, grows it up, gives it out to an overseer. And then he sends people like in the Bible, it would be prophet, prophets. Okay? But this, vine, this vineyard owner is sending people to find out, well, get, get the money that's due him. It's his property. And they take one and they beat him up and send him off. They take, and so he sends another. They, they kill some of them, just like in the Jews did the prophets. Follow me so far? And so then finally... He says, well, I will send my son. They will certainly reverence my son. And so they say, we can, we can get the whole thing if we just kill the son. And so they, they kill the son. Of course, that is prophetic of Jesus giving his life. So that's part of all this schema thing that's going on in Matthew 21 and 22. And so it says, uh, Jesus is saying basically by the authority of the owner of the vineyard I tell you these things he's answering their question anyway and he goes on and on and there's several scriptures that are brought up and uh, several prophecies that are fulfilled and several things that Jesus comments on and all of this has is in some way significant to the way we see ourselves as presenting a sacrifice to God an offering to God to see what, why did Jesus die? Well, we can, the list is pretty long. Okay. But we find out more about it in this Matthew 21 and 22, basically Palm Sunday and the, you know, the, those two days. And so when he first goes in and he beats the money changer, then he starts doing miracles and signs and wonders. And then, uh, the people were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, which is not something they 
generally, if you look at uh, the festivals, they didn't, people didn't say that. The priest would say that in the festival of tabernacles, but the, in the priest, no wonder they got mad. Well, part of the whole thing is a transition. Jesus is saying the priesthood is no longer going to be Levitical, but it's going to the people. It's going to the believers. It's called the priesthood of the believers. And it's being, you know, what he's dying for is to bring the priesthood to the believers. That's what we've studied in, in First Peter chapter 2 and other places. And so when uh, he is presenting this thing and he says, can't you hear these people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna? They're not supposed to say that. We're supposed to say that. Well, they don't say that. They wouldn't admit that. But, you know, what are you doing all these things? Why? Can't you hear these people saying that? And Jesus says, uh, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And now that's interesting because, see, this is basically, this is the first scripture that he's quoting to them. And he's giving, in some way, he's giving the clues of why he's dying, why he's going to give his life. Because if you go back and read that, in Psalm, it's in Psalm 8, verse 2. This is where he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, verse 1, is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glories above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, Thou hast, and in the King James and some other translation says, ordained strength. That means given strength from God. Out of the mouths of babies and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. That thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Say, still the enemy. A better way of saying that is shut his mouth. If you can shut his mouth, you got a long way. You, you've come a long ways to living victoriously, because it's the enemy's meh, 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 meh. lies and meh, 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 meh. You know, the devil has two names primarily. He has a slew of names, you know, but two major names: devil and Satan. And one actually means the false accuser. I mean, he will accuse you till the cows come home. That's one thing: the false accuser. The other name of, of it means the true accuser. So he not only will t- accuse you of false things, he'll find true things that he can t- accuse you of. And all you got to do is do like Wesley used to say, you know, take that one and cast it. Well, I, I always get confused with Wesley, what Wesley said and Luther said, but one of them says, take that to the east, take that to the west. And another one says, you got any, you, oh yeah, you got any more? You got, yeah, you got any more? You got any more? Are you finished? Yes, I'm finished. I plead the blood. You know, cast that one into the deepest sea. See? So it says, shut his mouth out of the mouths of babes. You don't have to be a mature Christian to do this. Just a baby. You can praise God and shut the devil's mouth. And I had a dream one time where I was uh, uh, using the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe in using the name of Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call on that name, shall be, on his name shall be saved. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. But you see, I had this dream one time where I was, uh, well, first of all, I was struggling with some 
fleshly situations. I'm going back before you say, when did this take place? Well, this took place 45 years ago, okay? And 45 years ago, I'm having struggles with these eyes. And every time they started to betray me, I would say, I, you know, to the devil, I would say, I, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. I wasn't really doing well with that, okay? And, and I'm not saying that's, the, that's a bad thing to do. The name of Jesus is used, meant to use to, to fight the devil. Hello? Okay. So anyway, I had this dream. And the dream was this church that I liked quite a bit was, in the dream, was having seances in their basement. And I'm thinking, I'm on my way out the door. I heard about it. And I'm on my way out the door to go over there and handle that, handle this. God's man of power for the hour. I'll go down there in the name of Jesus and straighten him out. So there was this kid that was in the living room and he says, here, he says, where are you going? I said, I'm going over to such and such a church and I'm going to stop this, this thing. So I went over to this church and I started to go in the basement, very much like our basement entrance right there. And I started to go into this basement and I see these hooded figures like you'd see in a movie, you know, where they're having some kind of sacri- demon sacrifice or something. And I could see demons there and everything else. And I walked in and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And they laughed at me. <laughs> and I said, I did it again. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And they, they not only laughed at me, they mocked me. And then they started after me and I grabbed this kid and I said, let's get out of here. So I go back to the house and uh, this was a, uh, a place where I was staying with other Christians. Uh, so I go back to this house and I'm going up to talk to uh, uh, the, the guys in charge. His name's Terry. I'm going up there to tell him about it. I get up to his office and there's these same demons in his office. And, and I'm like, I, I tried to turn around and run, but they grabbed me and they set me in a chair and they started to tie me up. They're trying to, and I'm fighting with them and I'm rebuking them in the name of Jesus and I'm not getting anywhere. And so I, and this is a dream. Uh, you know, if it's, you can take it as from God, I did. If it's not from God, don't, I mean, if it doesn't fit with your, you know, uh, uh, you, the way you think of things, just, just, just cast it away. But I know, you know, I'm, I'm and now, okay. I said, I'm in trouble here. I need to do something. So I started praying in the spirit as fast as my tongue could waggle. And I was just praying, praying, praying. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, praise my name. And so I said, praise you, Jesus. And the demons screamed and they put their hands over their ears and said, stop it. And I, this time they, they took their arms, their hands off my arms. So I raised my hand and I said, praise the Lord Jesus. And they screamed and they said, shut up, stop it, stop it, stop it. And I said, praise the name of Jesus. And I just kept going. And boy, if you ever seen one of those Popeye movies where they knock them through the ceiling and knock them through this and knock them through, they were leaving through the ceiling, through the wall. They was just going just as fast as they could go. And I woke up with my hands like this, laying back saying, Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And uh, 
I said, what was that, Lord? And he says, next time you feel those old eyes lusting, just praise my name. Well, how does this psalm start? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glories above the heavens. You see, they're praising the name of Jesus. And so if, you know, rebuking them in the name of Jesus isn't getting you that far, just start praising his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So the first thing is, he says, praise the name of Jesus or praise, praise, uh, have you never read of out, the, out of the mouths of babes and suckling, uh, thou hast ordained strength, or what he said, perfected praise. Perfected praise. That's what Jesus said instead of ordained strength. And so the first verse of scripture that he uses is, in a, well, the second verse, the first verse is, my house shall be a house of prayer. The second one is, out of the mouths of babes and suckling. So he has died so that we praising his name can shut the mouth of the enemy. Hello? Okay, so the next thing you, you, you find out, next verse of scripture that he says, he says, he talks about how the stone the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner. We're, we're back, back to Matthew 21 and 22. The stone the builders rejected. Now, if you know that, that's talked about also in 1 Peter chapter 2. It talks about the body of Christ being fitly framed together, growth into a holy temple in the Lord, and the cornerstone of the, uh, the foundation is Jesus Christ, the stone the builders rejected. So here you have another thing. You have another uh, hint at why Jesus died. He died so that we could be the temple of God as a church, all believers, And Jesus Christ, the apostles and prophets would be the foundation. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected. We have a whole sermon. We could talk about that. And so he goes on with these scriptures. Now I want to get to the last one that he quotes. Now the stone the builders rejected. If you want to look that in, it also is in the Old Testament. It's in Psalm 118 verse 22. And so now he goes on to the next thing. He goes, he goes through and he's passing all these tests that they're throwing at him and throwing at him and throwing. And the last of all, they send this Pharisee lawyer after him. You know, they're getting the, this is the big guns. You know, this is the 18, the 16 inch, you know, Arizona battle, you know, guns. You know, they're, they're going to really blast him now. And, you know, and, and the, uh, the Arizona lawyer tries to tries to trip him up and he can't trip him up. And then and then Jesus says two things that is very significant at this time. Because the two things show where what he's dying for so that we can have and live and a responsibility. Two responsibilities. He quotes again from Psalm one not from Psalm 118, but Psalm 110, verse 1. And it says, he talks about how, uh, the reason he talks about that is he, uh, the, the, the lawyer couldn't trip him up. So Jesus says to the lawyer, he says, I got a question for you. And he says, well, what's that? He says, uh, who is the Messiah supposed to be? What's, whose son is the Messiah supposed to be? And he says, well, David. 
you know, son of David. And this is what they were calling Jesus, son of David, son of David. Because he's, that doesn't mean direct son, it just means, you know, down the line. It says, son of David. And he says, um, if, if, that's, if that's true, then how is it that David calls the Messiah his Lord? And this lawyer goes, now he knows where he's driving at because Jesus himself is calling himself Lord. And he, said, he says, hmm, I don't know. And so he says, and they, they left and no more bothered him with any more questions after that. But Jesus follows that up with talking about Psalm 110, verse 1, where, where it says, that, you know, that we as a church, or should I say, David, a son of David, Jesus Christ, is going to crush Satan's head, which is referred to many times in the New Testament. I, one of my favorites is Hebrews, the first chapter. And it shows that Jesus came to die. Uh, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. What does the lawyer say, say to him? What is the most important commandment? That's what the lawyer says to him. And he says, the first, he says, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And that's not the only place Jesus says that. Sometimes he says, with all thy mind, body, soul, spirit, and strength. He names them all off. He says, with everything you've got, love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And then he says, and the second one is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the first thing that Jesus came to die for. is so that you and I could actually do that. We could love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the second is like, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Then he says talks about Satan or Jesus crushing Satan's head. So all of that gives a picture. He was presenting himself as a living sacrifice to be down the cross as a, as a dying sacrifice so that we could praise the name of Jesus so that we could be part of the body of Christ so that we could love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit and love our neighbor as ourself. And that we could crush Satan's head. And I'll tell you what, you praise the name of Jesus. You love God with all your heart. You love each other with all the same love. And it crushes his head. And that's where we have the authority. That's why so oftentimes when we use the name of Jesus by proclaiming it, we haven't really lived into these other things yet. Now, interesting enough, when he says, when Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's talking to the brethren by the mercy of God, other translations, because of what God has done for us. That you offer your body as a living offering. That you present your body as a living offering to God. And so there's two things in the way of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. The first one is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, body, soul, and spirit. 
And so we've been talking about how do you do this? Well, there may, you may have a number of ways. It talks about doing this in the first place. Jesus said that as when you go and pray to thy father, pray to thy father, which is in secret. It's a secret thing. It's a personal relationship. God has a personal relationship with every one of his children at the same time. It's as if you're the only child. It's the one he, he loves you. He favors you. He has given you grace, which is favoritism. And we talked about that, that Greek word, uh, karatu, which uh, the, the Greek word for fa- uh, grace is charis. Karatu comes from that root word charis. And karatu says we are acceptable in Jesus Christ. You and I are acceptable in Jesus Christ. That means we are highly favored. We're not just... So I, I have, for myself, been on a mission. I don't know if I even like using those words. So words are sometimes hard to describe. But I decided I'm going to give it my best shot. You know, hit me with your best shot. I'm going to hit it with my best shot to present myself as a living sacrifice. And my, you know, my body, soul, and spirit. And that I wanted to love the Lord my God with all I, my heart, body, soul, and spirit. And there is a way of loving God that you cannot accomplish or achieve by loving one another. Now, loving one another is loving him. Because he said that. Matthew 25, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least, you've done it unto me. So there's, there's, a, there's a side of that. But there's also, if you look at in Ezekiel, there's a side of which God says, only the sons of Zadok can come to my table to minister to me at my table. They can minister to the people, these other people, but only the sons of Zadok can come and minister to me personally. And so there's a ministry. Again, that's not even an adequate word. There is something that God has called us to do, and that is to love him. With all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Now, here's what I've done. You don't have to do it this way, but you've got to do it some way. If you don't, you're missing out on some of the most incredible thing there is. And I just want to challenge you, if you don't, I'm going to give you what I believe to be a scriptural way. The scriptural way to love God with all your heart. A scriptural way to present your bodies a living sacrifice or an offering to God. Hello? And that has to do with worshiping and praising God alone. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Going into his presence. Now the first thing, how is it that I can go into his presence? I go into his presence because it says in God's word in Ephesians, the second chapter, that I have been raised together with Christ. And I am seated in Christ in heavenly places. Therefore, legally, positionally, that is my place. So let's let's just do, do, do this. Let's believe that for a second. That we are seated with him. Now, it's a spiritual thing. Our spirits are still on earth. Now, the thing I'm talking about, there's another verse we got to think about to do what I'm going to do. It's the Greek word meliteo, meliteo. I'm pronouncing it phonetically English-wise, meliteo. It's the word for 
to, uh, to meditate. We are told to meditate. It's the, in the New Testament to meditate on God's Word. To meditate. And one of the definitions of meditate is to imagine. God has given us an imagination. And that imagination God wants us to use. But He wants us to use it in a godly scripture, scriptural way. You need to know what God said. To be an imitator of God, first of all, to be a follower of God, you have to know God. And to know God, you have to know what this says. You have to, well, <laughs> this is a computer. <laughs> I got my Bible in here now, you know. But, but you got to know what the Bible says. You got to know what the Word of God says. You know, if you're going to do what I'm talking about, you really need to know the Word of God. Okay, you need to, how can you imitate somebody you don't know? You cannot imitate somebody you don't know. You can't be a follower of somebody unless you know them. And the first way you know them is to know God's word. You got to know it inside out. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of God, is in the word of God. And in his word, we meditate day and night. And now remember, one of those words for meditate, you know, we sing the song, I can only imagine. See, if you're having vain imaginations about yourself, that's forbidden. That's, that's That's under the curse. You know, that's sin. But if you're imagining what it is, what the truth of God's word is, then that is not evil. That is one of the definitions of to meditate, all right? So we imagine, so I'm gonna, I want you to allow yourself as I tell you what I do. Now, I want to tell you something. It, 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 it's not easy to do this for, for, uh, for me. Um, I, I, I feel uh, like, whether it's said or unsaid, I feel people are thinking, man, he's really off the deep end. He's losing it. You know, and uh, uh, on the other hand, I feel like uh, uh, I just it, it is a personal secret thing. I don't even like to pray in public. I do it, but I don't like to. I'm so self-conscious of what I'm saying. I don't pray in public like I do in private. When I'm in private, I just talk to God. And I'm in public. I'm God. You know, I don't really say it that way, but that, you know, I, I try to be more proper, you know. But if you're going to be talking to God in a way that he wants to talk, to be talked to, then Jesus says, pray to thy father, which is in secret. So this is a secret thing. But he also said, Jesus said one time, he says something out loud. He says, father, I'm only saying this out loud so they can hear and learn from it. So what you can learn from this, take it. If you've got something else going for you with God, then more power to you. But this is something that I have experienced. And a lot of it is over time, but I've really been putting it into practice now. And what is that? Well, it goes like this. First of all, there's a proper protocol. We are, when we present our bodies as a sacrifice, we are doing two things at the same time. One is we are being the priest because they are the ones that presented the sacrifice. 
And we are also the sacrifice. We are the offering. So we are offering. So I'm, you're offering yourself to God. The, one of the things that I have come to understand is why on earth, why in the world, the Almighty God, I was just listening to, to some of the things it says, thy glory is in the heavens. The glory of God is revealed in the heavens. And it's like, there's something like billions, billions of stars in our galaxy. And there's supposed to be billions of galaxies. And he spoke them into existence. In the beginning, God created. You know, how much time that took? I I just see it happening, you know. He did that. This is, this is all mighty God we're talking about. This is a holy God. When Isaiah was in the presence of God, he couldn't even hardly look up. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, holy, holy, holy. He is a holy God. You cannot go into the presence of the holy God without proper protocol. Without proper preparation. It says in Hebrews, in Hebrews the chapter 1, I remember Jeff Staples actually wrote a, it's, it's quoting a scripture in the Old Testament. But I remember Jeff, Jeff Staples, Pastor Jeff Staples, when he used to come here, uh, would quote, made a song about it, about the scepter of God. And it says, Jesus Christ has the right scepter. And it says, thou lovest righteousness and holiness And the scepter of thy kingdom is the right scepter. What is the right scepter? You know, it's interesting. If you ever read the the book or seen the movie about uh, Stanley Livingston and Livingston and Dr. Livingston, I presume, and Charles Stanley, not Charles Stanley, uh, Stanley and Livingston. Stanley and Livingston, Stanley, a reporter decided to go after this missionary who had been thought to be lost. And so he's hunting for him. He's in Africa and he's going from tribe to tribe to tribe. And he would have to uh, have these men that would carry things for him and, you know, for when they went place. And they were getting robbed blind all the time. Finally, he comes across this one tribe. And in this one tribe, was the largest tribe in all of Africa in that area. Well, in that area of Africa. And so, Stanley ends up making a covenant with this king. And so, he says, I would like to give you, O king, or chief of the tribe, something to seal this covenant with. What can I give you? And at this point in time, Stanley, the only thing he could live off of was goat milk. He couldn't hold anything else down. But they had a goat nanny that they went carried everywhere they went. They carried this goat. And the king says, I want that nanny goat you got there. You know what that's given him? And he says, okay, it's yours. And so the king was impressed. The chief was impressed. And so he says, here. And he holds his staff that has his insignia on top of the staff. It's like a scepter. And you know what happened? Nobody ever stole from Stanley again. Because they had that scepter right there. And that scepter represented that chief. And they knew who that chief was. And they knew if they stole from him, 
Stanley, they're stealing from him and they're dead. And there was so such a beautiful picture of covenant. And so when he finally found Dr. Livingston, he says, Dr. Livingston, I presume, you know the, the story. And Dr. Livingston was a beautiful brother and sweet, sweet man of God. There's a beautiful story in that whole story. Jesus, God has a scepter. And in the, uh, the, uh, uh, the time of kings, they had a scepter. And if you came into the presence without being invited, he could either extend that scepter to you and invite you in or not. If he didn't, you probably are going to be dead. And so God has a scepter. And he says the scepter of that kingdom is the right scepter. And it has been extended to us. You see, I go into the presence of God because God has invited me into his presence. And he's extended that holy scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, even thy God shall. What? No, you don't remember either. Anyway, that, that was the. That was the. Song Jeff Staples. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. That's from Hebrews 1. So, we have to understand. We've been invited into his presence. But that's not enough. We come in by the blood of Jesus. You have to know that only by the blood of Jesus are you clean enough to worship God. You know, for starters, let's, you know, what is kind of amazing. You know, we, th- we think of God as worthy to be worshipped. What makes us think that we're worthy enough to worship him? Do you know why I'm worthy? Jesus is the only reason I'm worthy. And so I'm washed by, and it says the, that I, when I'm being washed over, I got a robe of righteousness. This, you know what, it, it, it says it's white. It's only white because it's light. It's pure light that shines out. I cannot go into the presence of God unless I'm dressed in proper attire. Just look up Esther. Right? Because I'm dressed and because of the blood of Jesus Christ has washed over me, I can go into the presence of God. The Bible says... You can't come in here if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. That hinders you. It's not that God says, stop him at the door there. He's got unforgiveness. It's just that you render yourself unfit. You cannot yourself. How can you go into the presence of a holy God thinking that he is pure love when you don't have love in your heart? Hello? When you have unforgiveness in your heart for anybody, for any reasons, if you can't forgive them, it hinders you doing what I'm talking about. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, body, soul, and spirit if you have resentment and anger and bitterness in your heart. The Bible, Jesus says, if you bring your gift before the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against thee, go your way. Be reconciled to your brother first, then come and offer that gift. So there's a there's there's this proper thing. So I go in by the blood of Jesus. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, the Bible says. So how is it that I cannot regard iniquity in my heart? 
Well, first of all, if something is brought to my attention, I repent of it. And when I've gone into the presence of God, now I just said a while ago, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I just said that a while ago. I tell you what, God has brought up a lot of things in my past. Not to condemn me, but that I can repent from it. That I can say, God, a lot of it has to do with my father. You know, one time when I was, I, I see things in the spirit. Paul says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. I, well, I think I pretty much I was out of the body. Right? I, the other day I was praying and I saw my daddy and he was sitting by himself and he was a young man. I mean, he was in, when I say young, he's in his 40s. And I, and, and I just miss the opportunities I had to tell my father that I loved I don't think I ever told my father in my whole life that I loved him. Because I didn't. <laughs> For numerous reasons, most of them selfish. And so, you know, I saw my father and I was trying to get his attention. And he, he wasn't looking at him. He was just rubbing his arm. He was rubbing his arm because his arms hurt him when he worked. And I never once said, Dad, I'm sorry you're hurting. Never once. I, I would avoid him at those times. I didn't want to think about, you know, offering him anything, any love at all, or just finding out about him. I don't even know where my father was born. I didn't care. I don't know where my mother was born. See, I, I, I could be taken out in the spirit and I'd see these things and I'd just say, God, I, I love you. Thank you for pointing that out. I wish my father was alive today so I could talk to him. I'll miss that, but I got to do it anyway. That's just one example. So there's so many things that, that would be in my past where I saw myself in a way that I don't like it. I didn't like it. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I know I'm already forgiven. He's already forgiven me. But there's something about it that I need a more healing. I'll show you in a minute. All right. So we go in by the blood of Jesus. We go, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I need to get that stuff straightened up out of my heart. I need to repent of things. Because I'm, I'm going in before a holy God. And so I go into his presence. I go in by the name of Jesus Christ. No other name can I pass in. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He purchased my right to go into the presence of God. I've been washed by his blood. I am have access by the Holy Spirit, it says. In, Acts, uh, in uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, it says we have access unto the Father. So I'm going in a proper protocol. Now, do you do this every time? I got to the point where I just zip right through that. And I go into the presence of God. And the first thing I have to do is recognize this is God. And so he's a holy God. And I says, I, I worship you. Oh, holy God, I bow before you. It is you, you are my creator. It is you that has made me and not me myself. I belong to you. 
Something I find out though, though, you know what one of let me you know what the most greedy, selfish thing you could possibly ever say or do? I'll, I'll give you this. The Lord uh, Jesus says, let's pray like this, our Father. Or if you're by yourself, my Father. You know what I just said when I said my, you know what my means? That's mine. And that ain't yours. Try to get it? Well, let the Lord handle it. (laughs) Do you understand? My God. My Father. My Lord. Wow, you can't get any more selfish than the creator of the universe belongs to me. He is my father. And he's your father just as much as he is my father. He's our father. For God, the creator of the universe, to even care that this stupid human being down on earth can, can say, you are my God. You are my shepherd. You're my, you're my daddy. You're my, bri- my husband, Lord Jesus. I'm your bride. This ain't no homosexual thing. You know what it is? It's, it's very simple. David, when Jonathan died, David said, No man has ever loved a woman as much as I loved him. It wasn't a homosexual thing. It talks about, it's talking about pure relationship. The closest relationship you can have on the face of the earth is a husband and wife relationship. The two shall become one. And so when we call him God, when we, we call him Father, you say, my Father, my Savior, my Husband. Not that it's some, I'm a woman, he's a man thing. It's relational. I'm a baby. I'm his baby. Out of the mouths of babies. God is my mommy. Says, you know, almighty God, El Shaddai, the the middle word for Shad, is mother's breast. (laughs) That's what God says. He's my mommy. He's my daddy. He's my father. (laughs) He's my God. All of these are relationships that we can have. Now, I've got, I get close to my Heavenly Father. I've sat in His lap. I've rolled His cheeks together. I've kissed Him on the mouth. I've had His breath come into my mouth and my breath go into His. I've been in the presence of God and I've talked with Him. One of the things I said for Him is, is like, do you have a favorite color? You know, the Bible says that we are light and colors. I said, and I went on and said other things. You have a, Lord, tell me, you have, you have a favorite color? Do you have a favorite song? Do you have a favorite car? I told him, I like 57 Thunderbirds myself. <laughs> not, I got a slew of other ones. I get, Pastor Norm Rand's always after me to take him to a car show. And I said, Pastor, I cannot do that. <laughs> I lust too much. So I said, you have a favorite car? You have a favorite? 
And he says, God, and God says to me, where are you going with this, Don? I said, oh, I just want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you intimately. I want to know, do you have a, do you have a favorite color? Do you have a favorite song? Do you have, and he said, well, okay, now that you ask, I do. Yes. I said, what? No way. Really? He says, yeah. He says, what is it? He says, you're my favorite song. <laughs> you're my favorite color. You're my favorite car. He says, Don, I don't have side things going on on, on the side here. I don't have something else going on. I'm not like, you know, the, the bail, God of bail. Elijah says, maybe he's hard of hearing, shout a little louder. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's taking a nap. I don't take naps, Don. I don't go on any journeys. You is what my life is all about. You and every other believer. You're my favorite color. Because you're my everything. I had God tell me that. But you know what? I don't feel... I'm no better than anybody else. He doesn't love me more than he does you. I've had God tell me this though. And I just, I sometimes wept. I've kissed the feet of Jesus. I've wept on his feet. I've touched the scars in his head. I have been in the presence of God. I have presented in that way my body as so, and I've loved him. I've kissed God all over his face. You say, did you really? I did. In my imagination. Hello? Because I was meditating on him. I did it. I believe it. I've been raised with Christ. I'm seated with Christ. I'm, I'm highly favored with God. I'm chosen of him. I'm blessed of him. I am, you know, he says, you're my favorite song, God. In Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, which means, workmanship, poem means poems. What's a song? It's a poem, but the music. I am his favorite song. You are his favorite song. You are a poem of God. Hello? God loves you so much and he wants, he made you. First he made the heavens and then the earth. And he put man on the earth so that man could love him with all his heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. But instead he chose the devil. Hello? And Jesus has purchased for us with his own death and burial and resurrection that he has purchased for us so that we can go into the presence of God and love God with all our heart. I've gotten into the presence of God and it's been so incredible that I didn't want to leave. As a matter of fact, everybody talks about heaven being so wonderful. And it is. But I never got to see it because I never left his side. Matter of fact, I told him, God, if you can't be with me, I don't even want to go to heaven. Because I want to be with you. It's like if we're in a house and he's in the kitchen. I don't want to be in the bedroom or the living room. I want to be in the kitchen with God. And he says, you will. We'll be together all the time.
I love that. That's loving God. That's a side that is personal just between you and God. But he's seated at the right hand of God. I'm seated at the right hand of God. And God says, come on, you got to get up in his lap. Excuse me for a minute. I'm going to sit down and rest here. I'm in God's lap. Can you see it? I'm in the lap of God. God says, I got another side of me. You're seated on the right hand. He says, I got another side. I got a left hand too. I said, "Uh uh-oh. I said, God, what is it? He says, I want you to look down. And I looked down and I saw all the pain in the world. And it crushed me. He says, just as I sent my son to die for the world, now I'm going to send you to bring your love, my love to them. I'm not any different than you. God says, Jesus says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I used to think, God, you want me to save the world? He says, no, I just said, love your neighbor (laughs) as yourself. One at a time. Hello. I'll tell you, it's it's like this. I look back at the world and I said, "Uh uh-oh. You're sending me back there to love the lost and the hurting with the same love that I have experienced with you through Jesus Christ. And I said, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> he says, well, I'm not, you're not going to go alone. I said, so, oh God, what are you going to send a legion of angels for uh, A legion of angels with me? He said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. I said, "Uh, a squad? (laughs) A platoon? A platoon? You're going to send a platoon of angels with me? No, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, a squad? (laughs) Just a a squad? Squad of angels? No, not going to do that. Michael? How about Michael? I'll take Michael. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. I thought you said I wasn't going to go alone. He says, I'll be with you. He says, but mostly important is I'm sending my love with you. Love never fails. All right. This is the second aspect of loving God. That you present your bodies disposable. One translation says, uh, as an, as a, uh, if you go into the Greek, present, it's like at your disposal. God, I'm at your disposal. That's the second aspect of loving God. That's when it says, walk in love. As he loved us and gave us, gave himself as a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor for us. God wants me to go in the name of Jesus and love you and the world 
with the same love with which he's loved us as an offering to God. See? Not, not man. This isn't, this isn't for man. This is for God. And that's the second aspect of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Now, I know I'm late, but I'm just going to read this quick thing. Put up. He's asleep up there. <laughs> I love you, Rakesh. <clears throat> you put up with me. Now put up Titus, the second chapter. And we're going to start with the 11th verse. That whole chapter is pretty good, but I'm going to cut it down and then we'll finish. This is Titus, the 11th, uh, second chapter. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this, say it with me, present world. Looking for that blessed hope for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're looking for his coming. But in the meantime, we're loving one another. Hello? Amen.